0: study of the Word of God begins this day in the seventh book of the Bible, the seventh chapter, and the seventh verse. That would be Judges chapter 7, verse 7. So if you have a Bible, you can turn along, and you will be able to follow with me. Judges chapter 7, verse number 7, and we'll read this first, and we'll also read some selected verses later, but we'll pick this one out first. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, you know that it was a time when the people of Israel did not have a king. They did not have a good leadership for most of their, the time period. And they tended to do what was right in their own eyes and they got uh, in a lot of messes. So Judges 7, 7. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. And may the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. Gideon was far from a perfect man, but God saw in Gideon something that Gideon didn't see in himself. It was that the Lord thought that Gideon is gonna be my man is gonna help at a particular time and at a particular place to accomplish a particular goal. But what was their problem? Well, the people of Israel had forsaken the Lord, and because they had disobeyed the Lord, and because they had stopped following the Lord, the Lord decided to send many problems their way. And the biggest problem they had with, uh, in terms of their own lives was the problem of a group known as the Midianites. The Midianites would come in during harvest season, and when they had their crops gathered and they were ready to store everything for the winter, they would rob them of all of their crops, and they would loot and take and steal, and it was a horrible thing. This happened for seven years in a row, and if you had to suffer seven years in a row of doing this, then you would go to great lengths to try to do something about it, but they had to build themselves caves and they had to hide what they were doing. In fact, when the Lord actually appears to Gideon, Gideon is actually threshing his wheat in a wine press. Now, I don't know if you realize that a wine press is not the place to thresh wheat. And I know that in our modern, especially when I'm teaching younger people, they have no idea what threshing wheat is. And since we don't have to do all that today, it's done by machine. It is a process through which wheat can be beaten and then the chaff is separated from the wheat kernels and then they are able to blow away the the chaff and they can get the wheat and then make whatever grain and have the grain they need to make flour or whatever they need. The barley was especially important to make bread, as you can imagine. And Gideon is there. And Gideon gets uh, a visit from the angel of the Lord. And in this visit, the Lord actually tells Gideon that he is a mighty man of valor. And if you look in chapter six, Here's what uh, it says to, uh, to Gideon. And the angel, and this is in chapter six, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You know, Gideon was a man, as I said, who was not a perfect man. He was very reluctant to, and and it was difficult for him to believe that there could be some difference. He, even when the Lord himself appears in the form of this angel to him, he He can't really accept it because he says, if the Lord is with us, well, first of all, the angel didn't say the Lord is with them. He says with you in particular. Now remember that verse because the people, what uh, had gone through all this this mess and they had struggled and struggled and struggled. I want you to look at uh, a previous verse because in verse six, here's what had happened. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. You know, they had been trying to solve their own problems for years. They had gone through seven years of this suffering. They had hidden and they had uh, managed and remanaged everything they did. They converted uh, all of their, Purpose, all the things away from their intended purposes to try to, to mislead the Midianites. And finally, they got the picture, hey, we need help from the Lord. And I think that in life, the biggest thing that we need to understand is that you're never going to win the battle against the world until you lose the battle against the Lord. Now think about that for a moment. The people of Israel, one year of that should have been enough. <laughs> hey, we need the Lord, but no, we, we want to go through it again. So they went through the second year and once again, they didn't call upon the name of the Lord. And third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven years, that's a lot of years before they called upon the name of the Lord. Someone wisely decided Why don't we quit trying to solve this problem on our own? And why don't we ask God's help? It's amazing what God can do if we stop fighting him. You say, well, Brother Keith, were they trying to fight the Lord? I say, yes, because you make God your enemy when you allow your stubbornness, your willfulness to outshine the submission to God Almighty. When we fail to obey him, when we fail to honor him and praise him and do what he told us to do, then that's when so many preventable disasters begin to occur and they come to us as a blessing from the Lord. You say a blessing. No, it doesn't seem like a blessing at the time, but it gets our attention and God wants to help us. So the people decided, hey, we fault God enough. We need to surrender to the Lord and they cried out to the Lord. So the Lord heard their prayer and that's why he visited this young man named Gideon. Gideon was uh, doubtful. He had even asked God for signs as to, to prove that the Lord was real. You know, Gideon was always doubting himself. He had a confidence problem. And I think today Christians have a severe confidence problem. We are easy, it's easy for us to see our own weaknesses, isn't it? And it's easy in this world to see how that, if you put your neck out to the world, you you, you get the ax to it quite quickly. In fact, the social media today that is so prominent is a cesspool because it is a place of bitterness and, and hatred. And if the world doesn't like you, it will try to destroy you. And since no one is perfect, and no one says everything right all the time, it's easy for people to say, why should I even try to do the right thing? I'm not gonna be accepted. And another thing I think happens is that we begin to, instead of fighting the enemies that we face, instead of actually engaging the way we maybe we should, we start doing like Gideon and we hide out in the wine press, and we start threshing the wheat. We, we repurpose everything just to avoid conflict and just to try to just get through and survive to the next day. But the Lord had another plan. And when the people decided to ask God for help, he decided to answer. And that's why he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And that was something that was a shock to Gideon. He didn't believe it. He didn't believe that he, Gideon, could be able to do this job. He didn't have faith. But I ask you, and I read the first part of this was from chapter seven, verse seven. This happened when the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Gideon, I said, was very doubtful. And I think many people today, they look at the world, they're very pessimistic. Gideon was a pessimist. He wasn't an optimist. He was very pessimistic. And how many times have you said, I don't think we have a hope today. I don't think our country can be changed. I don't think anything's gonna reverse it. I don't think anything's gonna happen. Well, first of all, permanently, the ultimate end is Jesus is going to rule everything, okay? So ultimately, we are going to have victory. So that's a fundamental truth. This whole world will bow the knee to Jesus Christ. That's good news. Secondly, in the nation of Israel, they had many ups and they had many downs, more downs than ups sometimes, but still, they did have those moments. And when God decides to act He doesn't always act for hundreds of years, but he may act for our generation. He may have a Gideon out there right now who is able to listen to the Lord's call if we would just ask God for help. We don't know who that person may be. But why do I say that? Because Gideon was a man who was like many people today, many Christians. They don't want to get out there and fight the battle. They don't want to stick their neck out. They're afraid and they're hiding and they're just trying to get by and pay for their family and and just try to avoid as much controversy as possible. But the Bible is a book that tells us how to live. It gives us examples, the scripture says. And these examples were from real people who were in real trouble, who had to face real crises and face real death. And these people, because they called upon the Lord, God answered their prayer. And I think that's what we need to be doing, asking God for help. Why do we see some of the things happening today? Well, are we asking God to help? Are we trying to fight him? We need to lose to the Lord so we can win against this world. So Gideon, he was doubtful and he asked for signs. In fact, he even asked God to prove to him, this he said, Lord, please, if you'll just show, make sure I'm just not hearing things, to make sure I, I'm not mistaken, he decided to take a fleece of wool. And what he did is he said, Lord, I'm gonna leave it out. And when the dew and the fog and everything comes up the next morning, Lord, would you please make the, the ground be dry, but the fleece be wet? Because if the dew does come it would be universal. And God said, okay, I'll do that. So that night, the next morning, he wakes up and the ground was dry, the fleece was wet. That doesn't happen, try that sometime. You're not gonna have that happen. And then he said, Lord, <laughs> you know, Gideon was very, very doubtful. There ever was a man who doubted himself, it was Gideon. He says, uh, one more time, but this time reverse it. <laughs> Make it so the ground here is going to be wet, and the fleece dry. So the Lord says, sure. And that happened the next day. He reached out there, the ground was wet, but that fleece, there was not one drop of moisture in it. So God decided to work through Gideon that way. Now Gideon had a great nickname. When the Lord met him the first time, God told Gideon to go and tear down the altar to Baal. You see, his people, His people who were supposed to be God's people, they had decided to give in to the Midianites and and put up a Baal altar in their own town. And God said, I want you to tear down that idol. I want you to tear down that idol. They had compromised themselves. They had given in to the enemy. And God said, I'm not gonna have it and you go tear it down. So he did. He tore it down. He took the wood from that and he ended up building an altar to the Lord, and he also used the idol to be the, the fuel for the fire on the altar to the Lord that he made. Soon thereafter, a lot of the officials of the town went to Gideon's dad, and they said, they knocked on the door. If they did that, I don't know what they did, but they went to his house, and they said, where's your son? He said, uh, why do you need him? Well, he's in trouble. Why is he in trouble? Well, because he, he destroyed the altar of Baal. That's gonna get us in trouble, and he's in trouble, so bring him to us. And, and Gideon's dad did something very special. He said to them, well, if Baal is so great, let Baal fight. You know, if Baal is God, and, and, and somebody came along, and destroyed his altar, let Baal fight. And that term, let Baal fight, was the word Jerubbaal, And Gideon got that as a nickname. Jeroboam was his nickname thereafter. And God used that as an example of how bold Gideon would be. So Gideon gets the army together. He's ready for the battle. And surprisingly, he gets 32,000 men in his army. If I were Gideon, I'd be pretty encouraged by 32,000 to fight a battle. And yet... The Lord said, "Gideon, <laughs> you have too many people." Now, now, Gideon, remember, he's he's not too confident, and he's got he he thinks, "Oh, I've got all these resources, I got all these people, I'm gonna win this battle." And so many times, I think the Christian world today, we we get enamored and and we get intoxicated by this idea that in order for us to be successful, we got to have everybody on our side. We've got to have huge numbers. We've got to have all these resources. And the moment he starts getting just a little bit of encouragement, God says, you have too many. (laughs) Think about that for a moment. What if a church had so many people, you said, you got too many. That's not a problem most churches seem to have, but in Gideon's case, he had too many in the army. So the Lord said, tell the men, that if they're afraid, they don't want to fight, just tell them to go on home. And that's it, just says, you have no shame, just let them go. And out of the the 32,000, 22,000 of them went home. So I left him with 10,000, still pretty good numbers, better than a handful of people. And, uh, but you knew what, you know what's coming next. The Lord once again said, Gideon, you got too many. You got too many even with 10,000. So the Lord told Gideon to go take them to a place where they had water and they they he watched the men and the Lord told him the men who stick their head down to the water to get the water straight from the source, uh, number them and then the, those who just get down on one knee and lap up the water with a hand and keep their head up, those are the ones that you keep. So out of 10,000 men, 9,900 or 700 men decided to put their head all the way down to the water, only 300 got on a knee and lapped it up. It was that group, the 300, that the Lord wanted. 300! So he gets 32,000 and then 10,000 and now 300 men. And when I test people in my uh, Bible class, I ask them, with how many men did Gideon win the battle? And of course, the answer would be 300 because that's what he ends up going into the battle to fight with. He's going to fight an army with 300 men. Not a pleasant idea at all. And yet, the Lord once again is there to encourage Gideon. The Lord was very patient. And if you are a person who is prone to worry, the Lord knows that about you. Do you think that the Lord doesn't know that you're worried about your problems? Do you think that the Lord just sent you out there with no hope of getting through your problems? No, God has a plan for your life. And in fact, the Lord was so sensitive to Gideon that he says, if you want, you can go into the camp and you can even bring your servant with you. And you can go and sneak into the enemy camp at night and uh, and listen to what they're saying to get an idea about their morale. Because we all know that if people have a strong will to fight, that that's worse than fighting people who are scared of you. So Gideon goes into the camp. He overhears a couple of these men talking. And these Midianites One of them had a a weird dream, and in this weird dream, there was a dream of this giant barley loaf uh, tumbling down and destroying the camp. That's one of those weird dreams, but the Lord assured Gideon that that was a sign that they were going to win the battle. So how do they win the battle? Well, he gets his 300 men, He then divides them still further into three groups of 100. Each man has a jar or a a vessel made out of clay, and inside that vessel is a torch, which is basically a fire torch that is burning, but it's hidden because it's inside that clay pot. Then they also have a sword and they have their trumpet and they get ready and they surround the camp. And at the right moment, at the right time, as they're getting ready to fight the battle, they do the following things. They blow the trumpets. They then break the the pitchers that they have, these jars. It makes a loud clang. They then, because the, the fire was hidden inside of this, then suddenly the fire appeared, 300 torches all around the camp. And then they shout and they say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And then they just stand there. That's all they do. That's all they do. They, they make this huge noise. They blow the trumpets. They break the pitchers, exposing the fire and shine the, shine the lights they shout the sword of the Lord and Gideon, and then they stand there. It's amazing, isn't it, what happens when you just obey the Lord? Did they have to fight all these men? The answer is no. And in fact, the Lord had these people so scared that they ended up fighting each other. And afterwards, the people of Israel were able to collect all of their things and then more people came along later and they pursued and chased the army of the midianites away they won a mighty battle now i asked the question with how many men did gideon actually win the battle and you could say and and I, and i am probably right to say 300 but i think i might be changed of my thinking after reading judges chapter six, verse 16. If I go back here to that chapter right before, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. How many men did it take to fight that battle? One man. That's all it took. It took one man. He obeyed the Lord. They all wanted to help him, but then some people were afraid. The Lord's not gonna force you to serve him. You're free to go. And then he reduced it down to 300, but ultimately not a single one of them had to even go into the camp to fight. Ultimately, I wonder if Gideon had been the only trumpet, (laughs) if he had been the only person with a torch and the only person shouting, maybe he would have won by himself. Didn't matter. The Lord was with him. The Lord helped him, and the Lord gave him a great victory. And you know why they got the victory? Because they quit fighting God, and they asked God for help. And they said, we surrender, Lord. We can't handle this. And the Lord said, fine. I've got a man in mind. I'm going to use him to help us. I hope today for us as Americans and as Christians in America and all over the world, wherever Christians may be, they're under threat. Today we live in dangerous times, but we're not the first generation, probably not the last to face dangerous times. There are many people who hate God and they hate Jesus and they hate you because you follow Jesus. But the good news is if we'll stop fighting the Lord and just repent and that's God's grace, the Lord will look out for us. We don't need to be worried about that. And we need to be confident that God can help us. And if you need a sign, well, the Bible says a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. But Gideon was so uh, loved by the Lord that God gave him mercy and gave him many signs. And maybe the Lord will give us some signs too, the signs of encouragement, signs that say, Lord, You're here right with us and we need his help today as as no other time. Let's bow our heads to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I wanna thank you for the example of Gideon. He was able to be your man at a time in which it was very hard to follow you and he was not very confident. He was like many people today but you had him in mind because you knew he was actually a good leader and that he was pretty smart and that he could do what he needed to do. So Lord, I want you to raise up people today in our own generation who are like Gideon. They're threshing the wheat in the wine presses of our own generation. They're just not really confident. And they read the Bible They know that stories in the Bible are true, but they have a hard time understanding why we're going through what we're going through now. Where evil seems to dominate the good and where what is bad is celebrated and what is good is hated. So Lord, would you help our generation, forgive us of our sins, and would you come in and intervene on our behalf so that we could see victory like the people the children of Israel did in their own day. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and we pray this, amen.